Welcome everyone to this episode of Drunk Bible Study, the bonus edition. So we are talking about Kings 19 and 20, and this was a really strange episode. It was short, sweet, and also very weird. We don't quite know what happened all the time. I don't know. I, I at least like had moments of what what is going on here. I don't know about the two of you. It was wild. It was like yeah. a trip. Yeah. It's just like strange things occurring and not really a huge amount of explanation for them. Um, so the one of the things that we had a question about right off the bat was uh, talking about the sackcloth on their loins and the ropes on their heads. So right. Okay. First of all, ropes on their head. Actually, these commentaries think that it means ropes around their necks. Oh goodness! So that's that a very they could different be image. Yes, but that they could be hung and that they would like deserve it. And essentially it's like there to to be there essentially if somebody wanted to hang them. Whoa. So they're surrendering. Yeah, surrendering. I guess there's a long tradition of I mean, that's why you bow to a king, right? Is that it's like you're presenting your neck. That's to true. Be chopped, right. to be chopped. And so I suppose it ties to that tradition of I'm truly so vulnerable, I'm presenting myself and letting you know you could kill me. If you want, uh, yes. And so the sackcloth on the loins, this says that it's a garment of humiliation and mourning. So, so that's kind of, yeah, we knew it was associated with mourning, but I guess that's sort of about like debasing yourself because you're so sad. N- that No armor on, yeah. I guess also part of that whole surrendering thing. Yeah, exactly. So signifying they came to surrender themselves. This is from BibleStudyTools.com, our favorite. Uh, they came to surrender themselves to him as his captives and prisoners, and he might do with them as seemed good to him, hang them up if he pleased, for which they brought ropes with them as a token that they deserved it. And then it says, okay, they came to the king of Israel and said, thy servant, wait, what is this? They, this is not in what we wrote, read. Thy servant Ben-Hadad saith, I pray thee, let me live. Is Who? he yet alive? He is my brother. I don't know who Ben-Hadad is. Ben, ben, wait, oh yes, no, Ben, 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 ben Hadad. He's Gimli. Oh, I'm sorry. It's it's spelled a different way. Uh, it's all okay. spelled as one. And so uh, I was like, Ben Hadad. But Ben Hadad, we, we're Gimli. used to it yeah. being, yeah, being yeah. like two words. But no, Ben Hadad saith, pray thee, let me live. So yeah, it says, he that a little while ago insolently demanded his wives and children in silver and gold as his property, now is his humble servant and begs not mm. for his crown and kingdom, but for his life. Right. Okay, yeah, then, you're right. I didn't even put yeah. that together, that we went so quickly from him being like, hey, so all your nice stuff, yeah, that's mine now, to like, please yeah. don't kill me, maybe I'm your brother. <laughs> exactly. Like <laughs> and then finally, and he said, is he yet alive? He is my brother. So, mm-hmm. which was intimidating at once that not only they might expect he would spare his life, who seemed to be so glad that he was alive, but he would show him more favor, having a great affection for him as a brother. This was very a very foolish expression from a king in his circumstances with respect to one who had given him so much trouble and distress and had behaved with so much haughtiness and contempt towards him. Saying so Ahab like- is foolish for for caring or for wanting him to be alive or, i think or for believing i guess it. no i think they're saying that it's 
It's like that trope that you see in movies sometimes where when the villain is actually losing, then suddenly they're like, oh, no, 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 I was just kidding. No, 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 you're great. No, I actually, no, we can work this out. You know, it's it's that. If he went totally. from being so confident and just like, I'm in charge now. I'm the daddy now. I'm going to take all your stuff now to being like, no, no, no. Hey, we've always been friends. You're cool, right? right? You're my brother, right? You're my brother. We're bros. But I feel like this article that Emily's reading is trying to say, though, that the real fool here is Ahab for going along with it. Because we have the prophet who then tries to make that allegory of this was foolish. You should have killed this person. Yeah. Yeah, something else, this is from BibleHub.com. It says, it would appear from the language of verse 33, M if, or 33 We haven't gotten to, oh, verse 33, okay, yeah. Verse 33, if Ahab's army was now besieging the palace, he himself may have kept at a safe distance from it. Sure. I mean, isn't that normal king behavior during battles? I suppose, yes. That makes a lot of sense. They were completely at Ahab's mercy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well. So cool. It's just interesting (laughs) stuff. It just feels like more of this whole like double standard and you'll just bring up whichever examples are convenient for whatever point you're trying to make. Sure. Whether like forgiveness is the thing we praise or just ruthless killing is the thing we praise. Right. It just we seems could we could interpret the story you as could go either way. being yeah. so forgiving and so wonderful. Like right. like David did with several of his enemies. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, but he did he didn't kill them, right? Dave well No, well like not David. Saul I'm talking about well, I'm I'm sorry, I'm talking about this guy. Yeah, Ahab. Right. Ahab did not kill yes ben and Hadad. the moral of this story is supposed to be that he should have even though yeah. he did the same thing that yeah yeah which which similarly we've had we had the story where saul didn't kill every single man woman and child and that was also and then bad that, yeah that became a, an issue for but god then, but then we have had other times where people have been more merciful and that's been okay so it's just yeah. it's just not consistent know. it's hard to know no it isn't which is unfortunate i wish that it were consistent so that, then that would probably be easier for all the all the people reading this book too. Right. Oh well. So it's interesting because that's actually kind of similar to what was coming up when I was trying to look up the things about the uh when Brad Pitt showed up and was like, I want you to hit mm. me as hard as you can. And so I was trying to look that up, and and this is fun because I found two totally different types of responses to this. So the first one came from the Bible hermeneutics stack exchange, which we've talked about a little bit before. Love that corner of the internet. Real, real Bible nerds up in here. So someone brings up this question of like, Hey, so like, what's the point of this guy needing to get punched in the face? Right? Yeah. Like truly, what is the point? And they talk about the whole story and they're like, you could take out that whole thing about him getting the one guy killed by a lion and then the other one hitting him and it wouldn't change the story at all. So like, why though? And we wouldn't have had to yeah. kill someone with a lion. <laughs> so then <laughs> use a lion for killing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So then the questions basically range from kind of saying like, okay, the issue is that that story is more just about not obeying God. And if you don't do that, you get killed by a lion. And uh, as to why did the prophet need to get hit, it's apparently that it's not that he needed to be punched, but actually hit with a sword. 
so that he had a wound Jeez. so that his story of being in battle was believable. I think that's well, yeah, and that but makes that's some my sense. whole thing though. But then why lie about being in battle just for the sake of this allegory? It seems like that was the whole know. point. It's just he really <laughs> needed to make this particular allegory here. Ugh. And that when he said he went into battle so that the king would believe him. And if he didn't have wounds, he wouldn't have believed him. So that's that's that. Okay, another response in the same thing. So this is all part of the same category of response. This person, I'm going to do a voice for this person because they need one. Okay. Well, that is an excellent question. To answer this story (laughs) and several of the stories throughout the Old Testament, you must recognize one of the main principles of the Old Testament. The children of Israel suffer from two significant sins. Oh my God, I'm going to punch this guy in the face. Right? The first well, that is a sin. Great well, actually, <laughs> well, actually, the first sin is idolatry. The second great sin was a lack of obedience to the word of God. I mean, even modern day Christians today struggle with the requirements of obedience to be a faithful follower of God in Christ. This is best summarized, and then they bring up some other verses of similar things, right? So, okay. Okay. So, one answer to the question is it's about being obedient. Obviously, you just need to Clearly. do it. Uh-huh. Ignoring the fact that this goes directly contrary to just a couple episodes ago when someone believed the words of a prophet and then were killed yes. for believing them. Mm. So, like, by a lion, also. <laughs> right? Yeah, which is interesting. <laughs> so, what's up with that? And that's the, the funny <laughs> so thing I is. Think- I think the lions and the prophets have some kind of shady backdoor deal <laughs> going might, on, actually, honestly. Yeah, just whatever whatever the prophets feel they need to really get out there to the world at that particular right. day. The the lions are their their hitmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, maybe maybe they're paying protection money to the lions. That's mm, what it is. Okay. Is oh, the lions okay. are protecting the prophets, but every once in a while they need to give him some poor sap who's going to get killed and right. eaten by the lions. Right. Although the lion didn't even eat him. That's how you know he was a hitman. Because he didn't, you know. He just killed him. He didn't eat him. Maybe this time he ate him. We don't know. We didn't get. I'm assuming that the lion just stood by, maybe with a donkey. Also just kind of being like, yo. (laughs) They're BFF the donkey. (laughs) Yeah. The donkey who now thinks he's a lion. Right. It's like one of those funny like YouTube videos. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. So basically one, one way of approaching it is just saying it's all about obedience. Um. But then this other one I found is on a website called a game for good com, which I love that URL just just as it is. I love a it. Game for oh, good Christians. I think Christians. I landed on that URL last week. That sounds oh, really? familiar. And yeah. so this is a guest article written by Anthony Russo of the Bible is com, which was okay, also a good okay. find for me. That's true. The Bible is funny. So the Bible is funny is a podcast. Apparently they've only got, he's only got 20 something episodes, uh, but it's this guy, Anthony Russo doing it. But he wrote this article, this guest article for uh, a game for good com, And he talks about the Bible, people having strange instructions, right? And he gives some examples of times when people got strange instructions like, Hey, y'all need a power walk around the city of Jericho once a day for six days. Then seven times on the seventh day, play some trumpets. And they did it and the walls tumbled down. And then other times, <laughs> yeah, you're given weird specific instructions and people don't do it. And the result is bad. So then he talks about this example of in First Kings chapter 20, when King Ahab, uh, or I'm sorry, when this person disobeys the the prophet to not punch him in the face or or hit him with a sword or whatever it was. And I love this this paragraph here. It says, 
Perhaps God believes in the pure performance that comes from method acting. Or perhaps God knew that this particular prophet was a bad actor and wouldn't be super convincing otherwise. Regardless, God instructs this prophet to have another prophet. Apparently, a lot of people seem to agree that this other person was a prophet, even though we didn't get that in our translation, the one that he asked to hit him. Again, with the prophets commanding other prophets and like whether or not you believe them or not. Uh, Anyway, Um, so he wanted to hit him in the face, right? Okay, so we we got all that part going on. God had a plan for how this whole King Ahab condemnation slash roadside performance art piece was going to go down. And this other prophet didn't want to play his part. Probably because outside the confines of some kind of prophet fight club, which we would never ah. know about because, of oh. course, uh-huh. boy. very clever. Because, very of course, clever. no one would have documented it because rule number one of Prophet yes. Fight Club is yeah. yes. yes. Of course, of course. Never talk about it. The yep. whole thing seems pretty bizarre. Anyway, he goes on to talk about it and he says the neat thing is that we don't have to do what God is asking us. We don't have to jump in a muddy river seven times or stroll around a city for seven days or punch our friends in the face. We have free will, and that's how God made us. But God also made lions, so choose carefully. Wow. <laughs> Very clever. That's good. Very clever. So that's kind of the, the range of responses that I found for that one. Okay. Amazing. Alrighty. Wow. Okay, so um, let's talk about some oxen shall we okay yeah 12 of them or no 24 of them 12 pairs anywhere between 12 and 24 oxen take your pick (laughs) okay okay all right so of course when we're looking up stuff for this show there's always the initial slog through all of the evangelical christian interpretation of the moral of some of these stories you know which is sometimes helpful most of the time doesn't answer our questions of like wait but actually what happened you know um but I will say there was this funny phenomenon that I found in looking up this particular story of specifically Christians who have blogs where the URLs are just their names and they've all hmm. written about Decker this story. Winston.com, well, so I'm not, like SharonJanes.com came <laughs> up and then TerryBroadwater.com came up and then KathyHoward.org came up. So apparently Kathy <laughs> Hall- is Howard is a organization. organization. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. You know, all these people writing about this particular story. And of course, it's all pretty much the same moral that people are interpreting of like, this is a sign of commitment, right? That yeah. Elisha kills the oxen, burns the plow, sacrifices it, gives it all to the people. And it's like, you need to stay committed. That's what it means to be a Christian. Like the throwing okay. your hat over the fence kind of thing. It's like, well, there's no going back now. Yeah. Okay. The okay. Throwing the hat over the fence. And and it's just really funny. Like in one of his blogs on terrybroadwater.com's interpretation of this, um, he has some headings in his blog, you know, like to follow Jesus, I must leave some things behind. And then he talks about that for a little bit. And then later it's to follow Jesus. I must kill some things off. I'm just like, Jeez. Yikes, bro. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay he's like and that's uh-huh. why i killed my dog and boiled it and gave it to my neighbor yeah, seriously like, oh, goodness sad i know terrible okay so once i got through all that riffraff then we're starting to get into some of the real answers um okay. now something interesting that i found is if you remember elisha's like yes i'll totally follow you elijah let me go kiss my mom and dad and then elijah is just says go back again for what have i done to you which apparently, according to some interpretations, was kind of a sarcastic comment from Elijah, where he's just like, you know what, never mind, what, what am I offering you? Yeah, sure, go kiss your mom and dad. 
And because then huh. Elisha doesn't, he instead burns the plow, kills the oxen, oh. and leaves. Yeah, he doesn't I even see. say goodbye. Yeah. Mm. Oh, geez, sad. That is also sad. Now, I finally got to the Hermionetic Stack Exchange also. Oh, good, good. <laughs> Where it was really funny because this this poster who opened up this thread uh, really summed up my thoughts exactly. Where this person is just like, yeah, we, we you know, Elisha's plowing 12 yokes of oxen. What does this mean about Elisha? What would this mean to the people of the time? And they say, note, I'm not looking for a modern allegorical answer about the significance <laughs> of the 12 yokes of oxen. Yes, I just want an understanding God. of how Elisha would have been perceived at the time based on this information. Okay. Um, okay. And so, uh, you know, the, the top answer is just like, yeah, it, it implies he's well off, right? If he's got mm-hmm. 24 oxen or 12 okay. pairs of oxen, that he's well off, maybe not so well off that he can pay someone else to plow the field, but well enough off that his family can afford having okay. 12 oxen. Okay. Now, this person who left this top answer ex- just explaining that was very proud of themselves for like their... Oh, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> like, it doesn't, well, even, cows, it doesn't even need to hear jokes? the rest of that sentence. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they were very proud of themselves. <laughs> their cow for jokes. their cow jokes. Okay. What? <laughs> so, for instance, their first line is, you know, I'm reasonably certain that 24 oxen is well a lot of cow. So yeah, you know, yada yada yada. Then he goes on Good to be jokes. like, yeah, the Im- the immediate implication of all that beef is that it's a big deal for Elisha to throw all this over in favor of following Elijah. Oh my god. Then gosh. he goes on to say that that also it suggests that he's a skillful, powerful man. Controlling that much ambulatory hamburger is not an easy job. Oh this person's god. really proud of themselves as a writer. Wow. Ambulatory What did they say? Hamburger? Ambulatory yep. hamburger. Hamburger. Wow. Yeah. Ham- burglar (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah um anyway and then some people get real distracted by the number 12 because we love numerology in the bible Uh yeah we do that's what i got for you just the 12 the 12 uh different people tribes yeah what are you tribes yeah Yeah. jacob's sons jacob (laughs) there we go we needed one we We really needed one it's been too long we needed a little you know injection (laughs) yeah <laughs> yeah, those were uh, those were simpler times when we were reading that book. Yeah, that Genesis we, book. You know, yeah, yeah. I suppose it was simpler that. times. It was just like families in the desert being yeah. nomadic. We yeah. weren't worrying about kings and politics and huge battles quite yet. No. And we had a musical to help us piece it all together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we did. Where's the king's musical? That would just be not good, there probably. Ain't one. I don't yeah. think there's any musicals that deal with the story of David that I know of. No. The story of David. Not successful ones. Oh, you I mean, mean David. Well, David and, well, David and, the and whole everyone lineage. else. Yes. All, all these people. I feel like we're not going to get a biblical musical again until we get to the New Testament, right? Until like Jesus Christ Superstar? Or, or um, does God's Bill cover any of this? I don't know. Children of Eden? Like what? Children what of Eden already here? happened. Yeah, that's all Genesis. Yeah. Uh-huh. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Here, okay. Hear me out. I'm imagining he's going to make a musical. We make a musical. Uh We make a musical that's called Kings. uh, And it's sort of like songs for a new world or something where it's not like a a plot. Like (laughs) there you go. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I had a kingdom while you were gone. Right. Like you have all these. I love it. (laughs) Yes. But it's like different songs from different of the kings or the characters or things like that that can uh-huh. kind of tie together. But it's not like a. It's more like a um, 
what's the word like an operetta so rather than okay, being yeah. like a full-on story right. that's staged it's more just like some vignettes and things from the story of the different kings maybe we could rope in some judges judges and kings yes yeah. okay sure right. you know. i can get behind that i think yeah, this would be a cool musical let's let's get jason robert brown on the phone Gone. and just be like hey buddy so like we have this cool idea hey, bud. Hey. buddy old friend pal uh we need your help writing uh this this little operetta here it's gonna be great yeah okay i mean i cool. do we do know someone who knows him just so oh yeah can... you're right we have oh, a wow. connection you gotta call in some favors yeah yeah <laughs> yeah for sure i mean really we're the one doing him a favor with such a good idea but you that's know. true that's true <laughs> absolutely all right well uh that was enlightening to say the least mm-hmm. i suppose i'm excited to see what's going to happen in our ultimate final episode of first wow. kings and we will see y'all next week